If you were going to describe God in just one word, what word would you use? Well, the Bible uses one. In 1 John, he says, God is love. God is love. And when we think about all that God does for us and the way that he responds to us, I'm sure that's the word that many of you would use. But let me put a little turn on that. If I were to ask the people around you to give me one word that would describe you, what would it be? Would they use that same word? Steve is love. That may be a little more challenging for us, huh? And yet, as we're talking in this series about uh, this walk of faith and what it ought to look like, that's a word that we people ought to be able to use about us. In fact, I want you to look with me at a, at a passage of Scripture found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what Paul says to the church. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Let me repeat that. And walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love that. That first phrase that Paul uses right there, follow God's example. Uh, In other translations, it says, imitate God, therefore. Uh, The the Greek phrase that's used there, it uses a word that literally means to mime or to mimic. In other words, it's as followers of Christ, we need to be looking how Jesus acted and lived, and we need to be mimicking him. And obviously, our God is a God of love, so we need to be watching and, and challenging ourselves. Can we mimic that same kind of love that God has? And, and that's my challenge for us today on this Valentine's Day when we talk about love and we give each other cards and candy and flowers and, and whatever else it is that, that we do. What would it really mean for us to embrace this challenge to love like God loves? Well, I want to unpack this for you um, for just a few minutes, and I want to give you some descriptions of the way that God loves, and I want it to be a challenge for you and I to love like that. What would it look like to love like God? Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the first thought. God loves us unconditionally. God loves us unconditionally. I I know this is going to be a brand new thought for some of you, but that you do realize that God does not love you because you are so handsome or you are so beautiful. (laughs) Aren't you glad? Yeah. God doesn't love you because uh, you're, you're, you're so smart. God doesn't love you because you're so educated. God doesn't love you because you're so charming. In fact, if you roll the tape back, you find that God doesn't love us because God loves us in spite of. He loves us in spite of. He loves us just as we are. I love the passage of Scripture from Romans 5.8. When Paul was trying to describe this love, He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. When? While we were yet sinners. Say that out loud with me. While we were yet 
sinners. In other words, when you and I were at our worst, God loved us. God loves me as I am. Would you say that with me? God loves me as I am. And you know what? We need to love other people that way. Now, I, I know. I, I know that their words aren't always that, or their language isn't always that flowery or proper. Yes, I, I know that there are people around you who, whose actions are despicable. Yeah, I, I know. You, if you're like me, you encounter people who, who are mean, who are hard to lo- get along with, who people who, if you're honest, uh, it seems like they do everything they can to make them not want you to love them or like them. But you know what? God loves them just as they are, and he challenges us to do the same. And you know what? If you and I can find that kind of courage, and if we can find uh, that kind of resolve to love people right where they are, sometimes, just sometimes, we help people change. Um, I had a great experience several years ago when I lived in Pennsylvania. Um, I was playing a lot of uh, noontime basketball at, at at the local Y there, and when I first got uh, playing, uh, there was one guy who played with our group who didn't really talk very much. He was always kind of gruff, uh, always had this rough uh, look about him. Uh, he was always getting physical with guys. He, he was always muttering under his breath. His name was Pat. And um, the guy who was kind of uh, showing me around and helping me get to know the other guys, he, he pointed to him when I, when I first started playing there, and he said, stay away from that guy. I said, why? He said, he's just got a chip on his shoulder. He's just got a bad attitude. Nobody likes him. He doesn't like anybody. He plays here all the time, but just, just stay away from him. And one of the things, um, you know, my, my wife taught me many years ago is that everything about a person will make sense if you know enough of their story. And, um, and so I just decided that somehow, some way, I was going to try at least to reach out to this guy. And, and I tried in a different couple times playing ball that, to do that. And, and uh, you know, things just didn't, he just didn't really respond. But one day, I had gotten ready and I was heading upstairs to, to the gym. And I saw that he was sitting on the bench in the locker room putting his, his, his shoes on. And, and I just went over and I sat down beside him and started talking to him. And he was just kind of glancing at me like, what are you doing here? And um, finally, I said... Uh, I said, Pat, what do you do? And he was telling me about his job. And then he said, and I also coach girls basketball. And I looked at him and I said, you coach girls basketball? And he said, yeah. And I said, and I'll bet you're a good one too. And this guy who had never seen smile smiles at me and said, why would you say that? And I said, well, because I notice when we're playing that you're always telling guys, you know, to pick or cut or, or get back on defense. And, and, I, and I never dawned on me, that, you know, that's why you do that because you're just a natural coach. I don't know who you coach, but I'll bet you're a good one. And you know what happened for him? This guy began to just open up. No, it didn't completely alter his personality. He didn't become warm and fuzzy and touchy-feely, you know, like I am. But he did begin to warm up, and especially in my relationship with him, he was so much more open to me and so much more friendly toward me. Why? Because I treated him with love in spite of who he was. And you know what? God did that for you, and God did that for me. And when we can love unconditionally like God loves unconditionally, we really can begin to change this world. Can I give you another one? God loves 
sacrificially. God loves sacrificially. Do you know how much it cost God to love you the way that he does? It cost him everything. One of our most famous verses from Scripture, what Jesus said in John 3, 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sacrificed himself for you so that you could receive the love that he has to offer. Now, I just want you to think about your relationships, um, not with the world as a whole, but think about your relationships with the people that you know best, the people who are in your daily circles. When's the last time you sacrificed for them to express your love? Again, it's just us. Let's be honest. Most of the time, our love comes out of convenience. I'll love you well if it kind of fits for me or if there's something in it for me. But have you ever sacrificed to love someone? Um, I, I, I was writing in my notes to myself, and, and I wrote one of the notes I wrote was, embrace the little deaths that breathe life into your love. Embrace the little deaths that breathe life into your love. And here's what I meant by that. When I, when I think about this idea of sacrifice, you know, most of us, we're not going to be like God. and We're not literally going to have to physically die for someone. That's not going to happen for most of us. But there are a lot of little ways that we can die for ourselves to express that love for people. Can I just give you a very simple but what if for, it, for me is a very meaningful example. Wanda and I, a year ago, um, sold or got rid of our waterbed. Yeah, I know. We're old hippies. Wanda and I bought a waterbed three years into our marriage and had it for 41 years. And, uh, but finally, uh, a couple years ago, I began to notice that uh, my back began to hurt a bit, and, and I realized that I wasn't sleeping as well as I used to. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm getting older and I'm not as flexible as I used to be, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, a, a year ago, a little over a year ago, we decided to get rid of our waterbed and just buy a nice, uh, semi-soft but comfortable, firm mattress. And, um, and, and, and when we got it, and I, I, I got it, and it was like, yeah, this is a really much better fit. But one of the things I didn't think about when we got rid of the waterbed is that our waterbed was always um, warm. Um, because it was had a heater that heated the water, whenever you got into it, any time of year, uh, it could be you know, blistering cold outside, but when you crawled under the covers, the bed was nice and warm, and it's kind of snuggled. And, and again, I like being warm. You know, I like being warm. And I never, when I crawled into our bed for the first time, I loved the mattress, but I'm shivering under the sheets. And I was telling Wanda just how, how cold, cold I was, and it took just so long to warm up. And um, so about a, a month later, just decided, you know what, I got to find a way to warm up. So I talked Wanda into letting me get an electric blanket. And so put the electric blanket in. And what's so cool is that Wanda began nightly going in and turning that electric blanket on so that when I came to bed, my side of the bed at least, would be warm. 
Now, you say, well, that's not a big deal. She's just turning on an electric blanket. That's not really a sacrifice. Oh, yes, it is. Wanda, as in most marriages, is the exact opposite for me. She, <laughs> she doesn't need an electric blanket at all. In fact, she doesn't need covers at all. Her body generates heat all by itself. She is always kicking the covers off every night. She doesn't want covers at all. But yet she turns on my electric blanket, gets in the bed that is warming up for me, and endures the heat because she loves me. Now, again, I I know you may think this is silly, but you have no idea how many times in the last year I've crawled into bed at night, realized that the bed is nice and warm, because I have a wife who loved me enough to take the time to go in and click that heater on an electric blanket so by the time I got there, the bed would not be nice and warm and ready for me. Please don't miss this. Most of us will never have the opportunity to really demonstrate our love for those in our world the way that we uh, probably would if we were in a traumatic circumstance. But every single one of us can die little deaths and in very simple, sacrificial ways, show that love to other people every single day. God loved you sacrificially. How about we live and love sacrificially as well. Can I give you a third one? God loves us tenaciously. God loves us tenaciously. There was uh, about five years ago, um, a father and his uh, 16-year-old son were um, doing a five-day hike and camp uh, in the uh, Smoky Mountain National Forest down in uh, North Carolina. And it was the, uh, the last night of their hike before they were heading home. And about 10.30 at night, uh, Gabriel, the son, uh, 16-year-old, was asleep in his hammock. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the father, who was also asleep, woke up hearing his son screaming and hearing this growl. And when his father got up to his horror, he realized that a huge black bear uh, had somehow made its way into their camp and had grabbed his son by the hair and was literally grabbed him by the head and was dragging him. It dragged him out of the hammock and was dragging him away. Now, this bear was huge. It's big enough to grab this big 16-year-old boy and, and drag him off. And this father, uh, Greg, came running at this bear and began to beat on this bear. And even though this, this bear was much bigger than him and could have killed him had it torn in, he would not stop until that bear released his son and let him go. And, and fortunately, he was able to, uh, to attend to Greg. And when they, he got him out of, the, out of the camp the next morning and got him to a hospital, and, uh, and Greg was fine. He just required a couple of stitches and, and uh, was, was cut up a little bit. But here, here was a father who risked his life, who would not give up. Why? Because he tenaciously loved his son. And you know what? That's how God loves you. God loves you tenaciously. He grips you with his hands of love, and he won't let go. It doesn't matter how hard you run. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter how mad you get at him. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. Nothing, none of that changes the great grip of God's love. Now, I, I love how Paul says it in Romans chapter 8 and verse 39. 
Paul says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God will never let you go. God's love for you is tenacious. Can we take a look at what might that look like for us? Let me give you just a couple of thoughts. Love others with a tenacious comfort. Love others with a tenacious comfort. You know, when people are going through difficult times, um, you know, they don't always need your, 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 your uh, great words, uh, people, because none of, you know, most of us don't really know what to say. Uh, what they need more than anything else is your presence. I, I remember, again, several years back when we were living in Kansas, I, I had a friend um, who lived in Arkansas, and I, uh, he had, his mother had died of cancer, and then almost exactly one year later to the day, his father was killed um, in, an, in an, uh, an accident in a DUI where uh, somebody who was driving drunk hit, hit him head on and, and, and killed him. And I remember getting the news that my buddy had lost both of his parents and how tragic that was. And, and um, you know, I, I, I decided I just needed to be there. And so I told Wanda I was going to go down, and I, I packed a I packed a bag for a few days, and and I drove six hours from Kansas City area down to Arkansas where he lived. And I'll never forget. I got there at night, and it was in a small town, and it was kind of a hard hard to find. But I'll never forget when I walked up on his porch, and he was sitting there. I'll never forget his eyes, and I'll never forget the look on his face, and I, and I'll never forget the gratitude that I felt from him. As he says, man, I, I can't believe you came. And he hugged me so hard. And I stayed with him uh, through those days and, and through that funeral. And you know what? I didn't have a lot of flowery words to say. I didn't have a lot of things to, to, to give him other than just seeing being there. And you know what? That's what a lot of people around us need. Um, they just need someone who's tenacious enough to stay with them during their, their time uh, of grieving. Um, love others with a tenacious patience. Love others with a tenacious patience. You know, again, we're around people who don't always get it right. And there are people who are, are constantly failing forward, you know, and they mess up and they mess up and they mess up. And I, here's what I can tell you. There are a lot of people in your world who, who are so afraid that they're just one failure away of somebody giving up on them. And how much would it mean for us to come alongside of some of these people. And when they blow it, not shake our heads and tell them, remind them again how stupid they are or how clumsy they are or what a loser they are. But what would it mean to them if we put our arm around them and said, that's okay. Come on, let's get up and keep going. What, what if instead of being their discourager, what if instead of being the one who comes down with a hammer, what if we treated them the same way God treats us? You know, in Proverbs, it says, though a righteous man falls seven times, yet will he rise. What it doesn't say is what we know, and that is, and God will help him up. And that's what we need to be. People who love with the tenacious patience 
and put our arm around people and help them get up and get going again. The third thought I would, with that was love others with a tenacious grace. Love others with a tenacious grace. Um, did you know that God's grace is unending? And just like God's grace is unending for us, our grace with others needs to be unending for them. And that kind of ties me to my last thought I want to give you this morning. And it's this. God loves us redemptively. God loves us redemptively. One of the beautiful things about God's love is his love is a bridge that he offers for us to be able to walk back across and be in relationship with him again. I love what he says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. He says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I want you to catch the full meaning of that. You see, God loved us, but there was this thing called sin that was in the way. And God knew that we couldn't remove that from our end. So you know what God did? God took the initiative to, to send his one and only son that from his end, he was ready to remove that wall of sin. All we had to do was open our arms to receive the love and forgiveness. And you know what? We become reconciled to God. What if we were like that? What if we, instead of holding grudges and holding things over people's head, what, what if we, uh, in, instead of moving into to, to bitterness and, and all of that, what if, what if instead we became the gracious kind of people who offered redemption wherever we went? What if we became champions of restoration and reconciliation? What if we became a champion of, of restoration and reconciliation. Now, I, I know, you can't fix people. And some of us, we can offer that love. Um, we can offer that olive branch of forgiveness. We can reach out. Um, and some people won't respond. But you know, there will be those who will. And the greatest thing I can tell you about offering that reconciliatory love, that, that restorative love, that redemptive love, is that it'll set you free. I was reading a, a devotional. It was written by a gal named Ann Peterson a few years back. In her devotional, she was talking about um, growing up in a... In, a rather difficult home. She had a father who was very loud, very abusive. He, uh, he had an anger issue, and when he uh, would really get uh, kind of nuts, uh, he would, you know, beat the children with a belt and, and all of that kind of stuff. And she just talked about the fear that she grew up under and how by the time she became a young adult, uh, she got away from her home, and she just kind of vowed that she would never go back. Um, but one of the things that happened was um, when, when she was still young, um, as a young adult, her, her mother got really sick, and her mom called for her to, to come, and, um, and she wouldn't go. 
who held on to that anger. And a few days later, her mother passed away from cancer. And um, and one day when she was visiting back at the house, her father blamed her for her mother's death. And she said, you know, out of all of the things my dad did, out of all of the uh, things that he said, out of all of the beatings I got, there was nothing that hurt her more than her father blaming her um, for her mother's death. Well, then came the day when Anne got a call from her sister to say, Dad is calling for you. And Annie said, you know, I, I, I didn't want to go. I, I don't want to see him again. I don't want to be around him again. But, but she struggled inside. Um, she had found faith in God. She had experienced God's love. And it had tenderized her heart just a bit. But, but man, the idea of being in her father's presence just, it paralyzed her. It just filled her with fear. And finally, she remembered about what happened with her mother, and she knew she just didn't want to have that to happen again. And, and so finally, she found the strength to, to go see her father, who was in the hospital. And when she got to the hospital and she walked in his room, they began to, to talk for a few minutes, and he looked at her, and he said, you know, he said, you just, you look so angry. And she realized she had to tell him why. And here's what she said. She said, I I found the strength to finally say to my father, it was not my fault that mom died. And quietly he responded, I know. And Annie, in her devotional, she wrote, he knew, he knew, but he never told me. What kind of person did something like that. And she began to say all these other memories began uh, surfing and pushing their way out of my mind. She goes, memories that, man, for, for years I've been trying to, to erase. And she said, then finally, quietly, my, my father said to me, I'm sorry. I was not a good father to you. It was the first time, she said, that he ever admitted it. Now, what would I do? I could hold on to that anger that I had nursed for years, anger and resentment stored away in little plastic bags and to keep it safe. After all, she said, didn't I have the right to be angry? What he did was wrong. And, and while that was true, she said, I struggled inside. For I had become a Christ follower sometime before, and I learned about Jesus dying on the cross for my sin. And not only mine, but my father's sins as well. Ephesians 4.32 talks about forgiveness. And says, we are to forgive just as God forgives us. She writes, my dad had actually acknowledged he was a bad father. God, help me, I whispered. And he did. With a gentleness, I responded to him, you did the best you could. And then I reached down. And I kissed my dad on the cheek. And God, help me forgive the man I hated for years. And the next day, he died. And he said, I I used to struggle as I read Ephesians 6-2 about honoring our parents. Surely God couldn't expect me to honor my dad, did he? How could I honor the one who beat me? 
And yet God enabled me to honor him with one little kiss and my forgiveness. When God requires us to do a difficult thing, he empowers us to do it. Even things that are impossible. It was God who helped me to forgive the unforgivable. Just like he forgave me, for I didn't deserve it either. You know, on this Valentine's Day, you can give gifts of flowers, candy, or little gifts. But I'm going to suggest to you that for some of us, the greatest gift that we could ever give to someone else in our life would be the gift of our redemptive love. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that what people have done is right. I'm not going to tell you that, um, that what they did is acceptable or that you should have tolerated that. I'm not going to tell you any of that. What I am going to tell you is this. Sometimes the resentment and the anger and the unforgiveness that we hold in our hearts is like a cancer that slowly erodes our very soul. And when you offer redemptive love, you don't just heal the person you're offering it to. You heal yourself. Look at me, just us. You didn't deserve the love God gave you either. But freely you have received. Let's mimic God and freely give. Would you pray with me? Our Father, thank you so much today for your amazing love. It is a transformative love that changes the very way that we live. But you never meant for your love to be something that we keep to ourselves. Paul said that we are like you, to walk in the way of love. Lord, would you help us to do that? Would you help us to love like you? Would you help us to love unconditionally because you loved us unconditionally? Would you help us love sacrificially because you loved us sacrificially? Would you help us love tenaciously because you loved us tenaciously? And Father, would you help us to love with a redemptive love? Because that's the love that you offered us. Father, I pray for each and every person who's watching this today from wherever they are. And I pray that you would put your hand upon their shoulder. And I pray that you would so fill their heart and life with your love that they just couldn't help but pass it on. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.